You're listening to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 1514, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the Executive Director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of 1514. It's a joy to have you with us. We really appreciate you listening, taking time out of your day to listen to the podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Today, I'm joined by Jonathan Smith, who Jonathan oversees the the IT department, the, the technical department at Faith Ministries in Lafayette, Indiana. So Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me. And people may be wondering, why are you having a tech IT guy on a biblical counseling podcast? But uh, I, want, <laughs> I, I wonder why you're not having more. That, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good question. That's a good question. Hmm, let's think about that. Well, actually, the, <laughs> the reason, Jonathan, we've talked about this actually for a couple of years since I first saw your book, Are You Hooked? Um, but before we jump into that, tell us a little bit more about yourself, your family, what, uh, what ministry for you looks like. Well, that's a fascinating question because ministry for all of us has changed in the last year, mm. uh, especially in relation to technology. But uh, I oversee, as you said, the technology of faith. So it seems to be if it has electrons in it, I get the phone call first, <laughs> and then we figure out if it's actually a me thing or not a me thing. But um, I actually was blessed to grow up at faith. Um, I've been in Lafayette for, um, well, we'll just call it over 40 decades or four decades, and you can figure out the rest from there. But I've been here a long time. And then growing up at Faith and then being able to be employed and serve full time here has been an awesome privilege. Um, my wife also serves at Faith. She's on our administrative staff. Uh, we have two kids, our son, Eric, and daughter, Becca, also attend school at Faith. So we're kind of an all-in here. Um, but we spend a lot of time trying to use technology to equip the mission and make the mission and the message happen. Um, and technology has of late has become the way we've done that, which has been mm. a fascinating pivot because before we always had other options. And now, you know, back in the spring, we had no options. And so technology made it work. So it's been fun to, to see technology kind of come to the forefront to keep ministry going at a time when traditional means have been cut off. Yeah, no, well, that's really, uh, it's so true. I think everybody, uh, obviously everybody who's listening is familiar somewhat with technology. Podcasts are relatively new in, in human history. Um, <laughs> and obviously things have, things have really up, upgraded on your plate, so I appreciate you taking time to be with us today. Um, but the book, if you're looking for this online, it's actually going to be hashtag the letter R, the letter U, and then hooked, all squished together because <laughs> right. it's a hashtag, right? It's a great, right. Uh, very um, apropos title for this book. But what is the primary premise behind Are You Hooked? Well, the tagline on the book, which I really like, um, I wish I could take credit for it, but it's for teens and the people who care about them. So the, the premise is to help teens and the people who care about them use technology in a way that honors God and to try to separate that or to, to bridge that divide that separates us between what teenagers know about technology, what adults know about technology, and what we all should be doing to please God, whether we're online or offline. So I think that the, the premise is to try to bridge that gap and help folks use technology in a way that honors God. Mm, that's really good. And you, you mentioned there already with the tagline for teens and those who care about them, the audience, but uh, I really appreciate the book because it, it's, it's very short. A booklet might be a better description. <laughs> but part of that is because you are wanting it to be in the hands and be read by teens. How does, how, um, 
how do you get teenagers to read it? And how have they, (laughs) (laughs) those that you know who have, how have they responded? Um, Yeah, the reviews have been very positive. I've been very humbled by the fact that folks have responded in a very positive fashion. Um, You're right, it is short. It's 40 pages, and it's 40 pages on purpose because no one wants to sit down, and especially with a teenager with a short attention span, and go through a 150-page workbook or a 150-page study guide. Um, The the teenagers just aren't there. And I think with the current situation, um, I don't think parents are there either because there's been a a panic almost of my kid is stuck online all day, every day. Mm, Our school is yeah. online or dev- everything we do is online. We need help and going through a thick book um, for parents may not be the best solution right now. So um, the way the teenagers are primarily read it is there, it's kind of voice to them. There's some sections in there that um, it's fun to read them out loud and watch teens and adults respond differently. Um, the parents get it, the teens enjoy it or laugh at it, um, which, which I think is a good connection point, but getting them to read it has mostly been, that youth pastor, that teacher, that parent that picks it up and says, let's go through this together. Mm. And again, you can go through it pretty fast. There's some interactive parts in there. And that's how it's been well received is just doing it together. Cause a teenager is not going to read much of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hand them a paper. I mean, ask a teacher here, read this and write a book report on it. And it's sometimes a challenge to get that to happen. So the primary mechanism has been doing it with somebody, an adult going through it with their kids or the kids in their lives. No, that's a good, yeah, that's a good word. And I think uh, even if, if, even if you have teens that don't want to read it, you reading it and then sharing <laughs> some of the content or at least discussing that would be a really helpful way to, to bring it about as well. You mentioned in the beginning that you really want people to understand how they use technology to honor God, because I think sometimes uh, our tendency is to run to two extremes, like technology is everything and everything we need to do is online. And then, you know, sometimes after talking to you or the, the guy who created it and hosts our website, I'm like, I think I'm going to become Mennonite <laughs> or Amish and just do away with, you know, right? there's so much bad and danger. And so let's run away from it and, and hide. But you're really trying to help people understand, no, it's it's neither of those two extremes, but what do they need to consider? What are some of the things they need to be thinking through as they discern how to utilize social media, technology, other things in a way that does honor God? Yeah, I don't think you can run away from it. Um, I know there are people that have tried, you know, that said, you know, we're not, we're not going to embrace it. We're going to hold the technology off. I think the challenge with that is it's in our lives. It's here to stay. It's the equivalent of not driving. Um, you can get by for a while without driving, but if your circle shrinks and you can't get to the store um, or public transportation goes away or depending on where you live, that may not even be an option. So um, at some point you have to embrace it and use to learn responsibly. And you can say, I'm not going to drive because I don't want to get hit by a drunk driver. Um, there's evidence of people getting killed in their houses by drunk drivers plowing through the front door of the house because they're off the road. And so you have to learn how to embrace it and embrace it responsibly. Um, because it's part of our lives anymore. And for some kids, it's going to become their careers. Um, it's so tied in with what we do, um, especially if you're in marketing or web or any of that kind of stuff. So it's important to teach folks to use it in a fashion that honors God, because you can't run away from it and hide like um, folks have tried. Um, and I try to always you know, boil it down. Let's not make it overly technical. Being godly online and using technology in a godly fashion is the same thing as driving your car in a godly fashion. It's the same thing as greeting people at church in a godly fashion. Mm. Um, there, there's, we shouldn't compartmentalize that and separate it out. So when you say let's be godly online or let's um, treat people well online, that's really no different than what you should be doing in person or in how you should be interacting with anybody. Yeah, no, that's that's really good to to realize that this is not some completely unique facet of life. It 
the same principles, right. the same truths from Scripture apply to our online behavior as they do offline and, and in other facets. What are some of the primary concerns? Because you travel around, you speak on this topic, you've obviously wrote the book. Um, what are some of the primary concerns that you hear from parents regarding their kids and the use of technology or specifically social media? What are, what are the concerns that parents raise often? Yeah, the, the biggest things I hear is, first of all, is the gap. Parents just don't know what's going on. So mm. I don't know what's happening online. I don't know what the TikTok is. I don't know what all this stuff is. All I know is kids keep coming to me asking me, can I have TikTok? Can I have access to this stuff? So there's, there's first just the knowledge gap. Second is the integration. You can't remove the device very easily. It takes a lot of effort because what happens when your schooling is being done online? Mm -hmm. um, what happens when you're trying to do homework, but yet the, the distraction of all the other things you can do online is pulling the kid out of doing homework? So um, the challenge from parents is how do we bridge the gap? And then how do we help our kids separate themselves because it's so intertwined in what they do all day, every day, especially, again, online learning ramped this up. Yeah. There were months where the only way you went to school was on your device. Yeah. So, how do you um, how do you address those in the in the book, and how do you address those concerns when you're talking to parents about them? <laughs> the first thing, and, and in terms of the knowledge gap, is don't let that intimidate you. Don't let technology freak you out. Mm -hmm. um, the technology shouldn't cause any panic. The Bible was written a very long time ago, and I don't think that Facebook surprised God. Mm. I don't think that um, when Al Gore invented the internet, God was up in heaven going, oh, no, what do we do now? The Trinity wasn't looking at each other think, drat, they figured out the internet. Um, so don't let that panic you. Don't, don't worry about the knowledge gap. The Bible still applies, even though mm. you may not understand every last little detail about how to snap or insta or tick or any of this kind of stuff. Um, in terms of the, the, the separation, I, I think you, again, have to just like balance in all aspects of life. Mm. Um, young people need to be taught. You can't hand them a device and say, here, do your homework, and then not be shocked when you find them checking sports scores or watching YouTube influencers or any of that kind of stuff. So hand them a device, but, but work with them together. Don't, don't, again, let the knowledge gap frighten you. Spend time with them and teach them. That balance they have to learn today between doing schooling online versus playing games online is the same balance they're going to need in every other aspect mm. of their life. Yeah. You, at some point, you've got to stop playing video games and go to work. Um, at some point, if you don't work, you don't eat. So you're connecting all of these dots together and teaching them that, yeah, you're, you may be young and you may be learning, but we're not going to just set you adrift. We're going to help do this with you so we can learn together. I know in our family, we have certain rules about devices at the dinner table. And my job requires me to be connected a lot. Mm -hmm. So we've just told the kids, look, if I have to bring my device to the table, here's why. There's something going on that I'm on call for. There's something I'm supporting. I'm expecting something I need to be involved in. That's not to say that dinner with the family isn't important. It's just we have to help frame those parameters for when we need to be connected and not connected. Otherwise, we don't have devices at the table. If the phone rings, we let it go to voicemail. Mm -hmm. It's just helping teach them that balance between uh, technology is good for fun and games. Technology is good for learning. Technology is good. Um, for communicating with others, but there are times when you should do those together and there are times when all of that should just be turned off. Yeah. No, that's really, it's, it's good to, to think really, get really practical about it. But it's also, to me, it's kind of ironic because now it seems the trend is um, 
Nobody answers their phones anymore. <laughs> like, unless I know the number and I know you're calling and I really, really want to, I'm not going to answer the phone. But man, when we, I, when I was growing up, if the phone rang, which was hanging on a wall in another room, whatever was going on stopped and you ran exactly. to it. So, so this is not, I think, just highlighting what you said before. This is not a new phenomenon. We shouldn't be caught off guard. Like we've always had to wrestle with these types of questions. It's just maybe more prevalent or uh, taking on a different, putting on a different suit today than what it used yeah, to be. What happens now, I mean, the, the, the phone analogies, that shows how old we are, but I remember that too. You know, the phone rang in the other room and the world stopped to answer the phone. Yeah. Now we have so many more distractions than just the phone. Yeah. It's like this device can notify us for everything. And oh, by the way, it gets phone calls. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so what you have with smartwatches and texting and all this is just the nonstop distraction of looking at everything. Yeah. So you get a buzz or a, or a ding and everything stops. I mean, I've been talking to people and they get that. These are adults, not kids, adults. That buzz or that ding goes off and it's like I disappeared. Mm. Yeah. Because, yeah, they didn't run into the other room to answer the phone, but they looked at their watch. They looked at their device and all of a sudden that attention disconnects. And yeah. that communicates. That doesn't communicate um, I don't think that communicates love for the person. I don't think Jesus would be distracted if he had a device like that, if he was involved with somebody. So um, I think that's what we're trying to teach young people is you are constantly bombarded and constantly interrupted. Yeah. But are you listening when Jesus calls? Are you listening when the important, when you go to church, can you shut your device off for 45 minutes? Can you pay attention without checking all this stuff? I think those are the, the aspects we have to teach our young people because adults need to learn this too. Yeah, I think that's a really helpful point because, and in, in two, our, our kids are going to mimic our behavior. So if exactly. we're always on the phone, we're always on a device, ignoring them, they're trying to talk to us and we'd get distracted, they're going to assume that's just the way it is. And uh, it's interesting, I saw a study a little while ago that, that actually just said the presence of a, of a phone in a conversation, whether it rings or goes off or not, just having it on the table alters the way that people come to the conversation are invested in it because they're just expecting to be interrupted uh, exactly. even just when that's that's present so and that's, that's a fascinating good. study i mean i read the same study that just holding it in your hand while you're mm -hmm. talking to somebody but that's why at the dinner table if we have to have a device there we explain why it's there yeah, um, yeah. we want to teach our kids there are times when that's going to happen but um, if that happens we want to make that a conscious decision not a oh look the device is on the table again or, oh, look, I mean, everybody knows when you look at your smartwatch and you're not checking the time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why did you need to stop to tech in the middle of that sentence to check the time? Oh, yeah. And it's not like you're using an analog watch. I can see your watch. It's digital numbers. I mean, <laughs> I read it. To... <laughs> I read it before you did. Uh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, what are some, I mean, so backing up a little bit, maybe, um, or maybe not, but, um, the world of, of social media and technology is constantly, constantly changing. So how did you write, and you knew that when you wrote, are you hooked? How did you write it so that it didn't become irrelevant before it was even published? No, that's a great question. And that was hard. That was a conscious effort um, because there's terminology that comes and goes. Mm -hmm. and TikTok really roared onto the stage and now look at it. Uh, and then I have to be aware too, some of this is not just in the United States, but it's different in different countries around yeah. the world. You know, we get in our little bubble here and think that our stuff is where it's at, but um, depending on where you're at on the planet, it's a very different environment. Um, so I, the goal is to keep it, um, let's not get too deep into the geeky stuff. Let's not worry too much about, do you fully understand the difference between TikTok and Snapchat? 
Um, because again, being godly doesn't matter what your method is. Um, so it's, let's look, let's give you an overview and understand that the technology is going to change. The social media tools are going to change. The vocabulary is going to change. What's hot today won't be hot tomorrow, mm-hmm. but don't get bogged down in that. Worry about and look at the fact that, hey, the Bible's sufficient. And if I can use the Bible to be good when I go to the store, I can use the Bible to be good when I'm on Facebook. Um, I can use the Bible to be good on whatever the next thing is, whether that's a photographic site where you take pictures and post those, or that's a text-based site, whether that's short videos, whatever it is, um, focus on being godly and using what you know in the word of God to be true, regardless of the method that you're communicating with it, because that method is going to change. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. can't even see far enough into the future to know what the next one looks like. Yeah. Um, but I just, that's how I tried to keep it, have a long shelf life is we didn't spend a lot of time getting too deep into specific technology as much as we look at categories of technology that as new stuff comes in can still fall in there. And then applying the Bible to those has it because it's got it's got to evolve. The good news is the Bible doesn't change and the Bible always works. Yeah. The technology as we've seen always changes and doesn't always work. Yeah. No, and it's and it's um, it's always it can have its good uses and bad uses. You know, every p- and technology obviously encompasses wider things. We're focusing on digital technology, but a knife was a technology back when it was first right. came about and it had good uses and bad uses. <laughs> uh, so we have to keep that in mind. One of the, you mentioned before, one of the big concerns that parents have is that gap between their current knowledge and what you're doing. And sometimes they are looking for, like they want to go, they want to pick up a book and it's going to tell them what their kids are doing right now and how they, <laughs> and how they can understand it. But as you just pointed out, that's, that's futile because what's current and popular. I mean, completely honest, maybe showing my age a little bit. I don't know, but I thought I was with it until somebody mentioned TikTok and I was like, I have no idea what that is. So it's just always a, humbled when my kids come home with stuff I've never heard of. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I mean, it's good to know you're in that boat too. Um, but as, so, so how do you, as a parent, knowing that there's, there is a knowledge gap, how do you help fill in the gap or how do you, what, what is important for me? Do I need to be on every social media platform my kids are on, or is it just enough to know that they're on there? Like, how do I monitor without invading privacy? You know what I mean? Like that dynamic <laughs> is. Well, I think the, the monitor and privacy thing, when they're your children and you're paying for it and they're in your house, I think a lot of that disappears. Um, our kids know that I have access to everything that they do. And that changes when they move out and they start paying for it on their own. Now, that doesn't mean I'm not going to still want to be interested in what they're doing. Um, but your question is good. Should I be on everything my kids are on? I think for me, the answer is yes, because mm-hmm. I have an account on all these platforms because as soon as it comes out or as soon as I find out about it um, from our teenage children, I want to learn about it. I don't think that's practical for everybody because that mm-hmm. could really make your head explode. Um, especially if you're struggling with just the basics of a Twitter or a Facebook or an Instagram and you try to figure out TikTok. Um, and I don't say that I use all these sites. I have a Snapchat account. I've never posted anything on it. Um, frankly, I've never fully understood Snapchat, but to, to have a teenager explain it to me, I fully understand why they get it mm. and why they're into this. So no, the goal to me is not to be on all of them. I think the better thing for parents to do is sit down with your kids and have them teach you and don't have them teach you in the fashion where, aha, I caught you doing something bad. Mm. It's, I want to learn what you're doing. It's, it's, I want to learn your likes and dislikes. 
if your kid likes to go outside and go hunting, that's an easy thing to do with them because you can buy the equipment, you can find the place, you can go out, you can go hunting together. They like to play a sport, you can go out and play basketball with them. The digital realm is in many cases the same thing. So sit down and say, hey, show me what you like to do online. And then learn. So they're going to bring up Snapchat. You want to learn what they like about it, what they don't like about it, how they use it, um, what they're using it for, and then encourage them to take their godly knowledge for living in the real world and apply that to what they do in the virtual world. I, I've learned a ton from doing that, not just with our kids, but with other kids. You know, that's how I really got my hand and my my mind around TikTok. I had a teenager show me. Hmm. Because I couldn't, I Googled it and Googled it and read about it. I'm like, I don't get the big deal with this thing. I don't understand how it's any different from what I can see on Snapchat or or Twitter or Instagram or any of these other short video messaging services. Um, sit down and learn. Family time doesn't have to be a production. Family time can be, hey, we're going to sit around and we're all going to have our devices out and we're going to learn what each other likes to do and doesn't like to do. Um, no, that's our good. Kid, our kids like to play Minecraft. I don't know if you've ever played this game. It's a game of 8-bit character blocks. They're, they're great big blocks. I mean, the, the definition of the graphics is poor. I have an Xbox 360 with high-definition immersive graphics. What do our kids like to play? Minecraft. <laughs> I don't get it. But I know sitting down with them and having them show me how to build stuff means a lot to them. Yeah. And and me learning that gives me the bridge with them to say, well, how are you using Minecraft to honor God? Hmm. What are you doing in Minecraft that shows you believe in God? Because in Minecraft, you can create anything. Um, so it, it provides lots of opportunities to have great discussions, not just about the technology in terms of what the site or the game is, but in how they're using that and applying a biblical worldview to it. No, that's really helpful. I think it's a good just perspective shift. Uh, you mentioned there just the, even when we sit down to have that conversation, I think our temptation is uh, <laughs> to to find out all the nefarious ways that they're using it, right? And to, and to catch them and to stop it. And and I think for past, pastors, youth pastors, biblical counselors, just knowing the sinful heart of man, knowing our own hearts and knowing what's out there, that is our stance. That is our initial position, but really shifting that paradigm to approach them as these are my children, or these are the children in my lives, the teens that I love. How can I invest in them, get to know them, and and use this as an opportunity to learn about them, and then help them navigate this uh, for God's glory, which means avoiding the nefarious sides of the internet, and uh, but also what good can be done out there? Because there is a lot of good that can be done as well. I want my kids to be comfortable coming to me with questions. And if you yeah. put, they, they know I'm going to hold them accountable. They, they know that, that that's going to happen, but I don't want them hiding things. I want them willing to, to come to me and say, what about, what about, what about, even if it's something negative that yeah. comes up. Um, so there's opportunity to have that correction and discipline. It will be there. there. There's plenty of ways to apply it, to use technology for some accountability. There's lots of options there. Um, but you got to have that bridge, whether they're your kids or kids in your, in your care that, they want to come and learn from you and they want to have that exchange where they're teaching you about the, the geeky side and you're able to teach them about the godly side. Yeah, no, that's good. Uh, any resources or places you go or would recommend parents go who are trying to fill in the knowledge gap uh, in addition to their kids? Yeah. If you go to um, our, our church website, faithlafayette.org slash parent tech, Parent Tech, P-A-R-E-N-T-T-E-C-H. I keep a list of articles there where I try to, that's where I can invest more time in the geeky. So if you want to learn how to use Apple screen time tools to help your kids using iOS devices, I've got some articles out there about that. 
Um, I try to keep that current with that kind of stuff because there's a lot more I can put there than I could put in any book or blog post. Yeah. Um, because, and, and that's where it changes. You know, iOS 14.1 came out or the latest flavor of Android. And it, the, those, those nice folks always change it. So then somebody's trying to figure it out and they got the last version of the instruction. So I try to keep all of that there so you can learn the geeky side. And then just other writers that I stumble across that are doing um, a great job in this area try to link to their stuff because um, the questions are endless and it's much more than I can answer. Um, and just from my online experience and try to help folks, like you said, connect those dots. And if you want to dig deeper, um, there are resources out there on that site, or you can just get on Google and type in, how do I use TikTok? And you'll find tons of articles that'll explain to you the geeky side of how to set it up. Mm, that's helpful. Uh, any resources? Cause I think, uh, Part of the value of books is is to address the larger, bigger philosophical issues, and I love uh, I love your book, and I also uh, uh, we had Eliza Huey, uh, who's a BCC council member, wrote how to raise your kids in a hyper in a screen saturated world, and then you have TechWise Family by Andy Crouch, and so there's these various levels of book, <laughs> but they have to necessarily answer these larger questions. Have you found any of those helpful in, in your guide or others uh, in guiding your thinking along these lines? Um, there's a great little pamphlet that I, the, the name of it's I Snooping on Your Kids. I can't remember hmm. the author off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, you can find that one online. Um, I think just general parenting books are helpful too, because again, we, we bog down in the technology and forget the parents are still parents, whether there's hmm. any tech involved or not. Um, uh, I know that Elise Fitzpatrick's book, Give Them Grace, is a great book on, on teaching and showing grace and helping young people learn. And again, it's not focused on technology, but it's focused on parenting. And that applies whether you're dealing with uh, technology or whether you're dealing with just um, kids being good and being bullies and just the general stuff that kids do, mm. whether they're young or teenagers. Any questions? We're wrapping down on our time. Any questions that, because I could go on this for a long time, but any questions <laughs> that maybe I haven't asked that you wish I had or things that you really want to make sure our listeners uh, are aware of? Um, I think you've done a, a great job. Um, I appreciate the questions you have asked. Um, I just, I am available and hope people will reach out if they have questions because it's, I understand it's hard to find good resources and it's hard to know of the massive amount of information online, what you can trust and where you can get information you can use. So um, feel free to use that website and reach out to me. Um, I'm happy to help. And um, I like to learn too, because again, some of my best learning opportunities come from when people reach out to me and say, have mm -hmm. you heard of this? Or when my kids come home and say, hey, guess what we learned about from our kids at school, friends at school today. <laughs> I have to have that. Yeah, I've heard about that look on my face while I go frantically try to Google what it is. But <laughs> Well, yeah, we, we I know... Everybody who hears this will be appreciative of knowing that you're there and that you have that recurrent, uh, constantly being updated resource there. Uh, for people who want to get a copy of Are You Hooked, where sh can or should they go to get a copy? Yeah, you can get it on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Um, I know Faith Resources carries it. I, it's everywhere. But Amazon seems to be the fastest, simplest way. Um, you can get it tomorrow. Yeah, you can, depending on where you live. So Assuming yeah, you, you can get it today, depending on where you live. But see there, technology and a drone can fly it to your house right now. <laughs> so uh, yeah, definitely be sure to check it out. Or and I would recommend, especially for youth pastors or parents with multiple kids, get a few copies because then you can go through it together. Uh, get it in the hands of your teens, and in as we mentioned already, that's the best way to get them into it is going through it with them. And you'll also be really, really blessed by that as well. So are you hooked? Again, that's 
Romeo Uniform Hotel Oscar. <laughs> Hashtag Oscar. Are You <laughs> Afraid? <laughs> As, yeah we are so. we are explaining right here why the title is hashtag are you exactly <laughs> exactly oh very good uh well we have a segment at the end called two minute favorites and i know you're ready for this so i'm going to start the timer uh, right. what am, I, am i just supposed to read through the question and the answer or do you give the question no i'm going to ask the question and i'm not going to go in order this is how i'm going to mess you up is i'm not oh, going in order because <laughs> i know you i know you prepped so here we You're not going to go in order. That's that's playing dirty. I know. Here we go. What is your favorite food? Barbecue and seafood. I couldn't pick just one. Favorite color? Blue. Favorite sport? Baseball. Favorite sports team? College is the Boilermakers. Favorite gift you've ever received? Uh, man, where is it? Is he, um... Oh, I got a battle drone for Christmas one year. That was a lot of fun. Favorite gift you've ever given? Uh, I took my dad to a space shuttle launch. Favorite word? Curmudgeon. <laughs> Least favorite word. I couldn't come up with one of those. I like them all. Uh, favorite book of the Bible? Revelation. Favorite extra biblical book? So any book outside scripture? Uh, but a scriptural book or a nope. fake book? Fiction any book? any book. Uh, wow, that's uh, um, all of them. Um <laughs> The Star Wars series. I liked all of those. All right. Favorite Bible verse? First Corinthians 10.31. Favorite ice cream flavor? Vanilla. Favorite candy? Twix. Favorite quote? Live long and prosper. <laughs> Favorite restaurant? Micklebob's. It's a rib place in Florida. It's the best ribs on the planet. Favorite beverage? Iced tea. Favorite movie? Star Wars. Uh, if you could choose any superpower, what superpower would you choose? The ability to fly. Uh, favorite job you've ever had, excluding your current job? I used to work in doing Star Trek conventions. That was a fun job. Favorite animal? The camel. If your mother were to describe you, what word, <laughs> what word would she use? Um, I think she'd call me a rocket man. Uh, anything interesting you've done that most other people have not? I got to do flight um, crew training at Delta Airlines and experience a water ditch and a hard dry landing and evacuating a plane in those situations. Oh, wow. Yeah, definitely. Well, I knew you were prepared. You got through almost the entire list there. So, <laughs> Jonathan, thanks so much for being with us today. And thanks for writing and uh, keeping up to date on the world of technology for us. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for all you do for the BCC. Thank you for listening to this episode of 1514. If you'd like to know more about the Ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcounselingcoalition.org. You can also contact us at podcast at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to Carrie Felton, our podcast producer, who arranges and coordinates these interviews, and James Wills, our podcast engineer, who does the sound editing and makes these episodes sound so great. I thank you for being with us again and hope you can join us next time on 1514.